because we are talking about um, the revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, Chris, thank you. I see your message. You can see and hear me. Um, yes, we are talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ, and yeah, and I think it's a very interesting, it's a very necessary, not just interesting, it's a very necessary, um, necessary topic for for us. Okay, so let us begin by reading a passage of scripture. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. And as always, anyone can read for us. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse, verse 15. If you're there, you can go ahead and read. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Anyone there? Anyone, anyone, anyone? <clears throat> Okay, let me read it then. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. It says, it says, um, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him shall, unto him ye shall hearken. So this is um this is Moses that was speaking, and somewhere around you know their whole journey and experience, Moses began to prophetically speak. To them, and one of the things he said was that God is going to raise up a prophet from among, from among them. That's from among their brethren. That means this prophet will be an Israelite, will be one of them. And Moses said something um, very important. Moses said that this is the person that you should listen to. Meaning, whoever Moses was prophesying about, and this was a prophetic statement, by the way. He wasn't just refer. He wasn't just referring to the subsequent prophets that um, would come that would come after you know after him it was a prophetic statement he was making and he said that whoever this prophet is he's the person that you should listen to meaning moses already placed a seal of endorsement on this on this prophet and um as we'll come to find out moses was prophetically speaking about jesus christ okay so let's see um let's see that again in acts chapter 2 acts chapter 2 verse 20 to 23. Acts chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. So remember, Moses prophetically spoke about, you know, someone that will come and would, as we'll come to find out, he was speaking about Christ Jesus. So Acts chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. Someone should please read for us. Um, if you're there, please read for us. Sorry if I'm not there. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. Anyone? Anyone, anyone? Acts 2, 20. Yes, please. For the sun will turn dark and the moon blood red. Mm -hmm. For that great and awesome appearance of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 22. Peter continued, people of Israel, listen to the fact. Jesus, the victorious, was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs and wonders through him. 23. This man's yeah. destiny was prearranged. God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and that you would Execute him on the cross by the hands of lost men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. Okay. Um, can you go ahead to. Sorry, just give me a minute. Um, uh, just hold on one second. I want this verse I'm omitting here. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 20. Oh, now I must have missed something. Um, um, this is where this is where Moses was. Sorry, the place I'm looking for is where, where Peter quoted what we just read in the book of Deuteronomy. And so, yeah, give me one minute. I can, let me find it. Just one minute. Let me pull that out. Um,
Um, okay, so I'll get it. I'll, I'll probably send it before the end of this of this um, um, Bible study. But Peter was quoting exactly what we just read in the book of Deuteronomy. And Peter said exactly what Moses said. A prophet um, after Moses, right? God was going to send a prophet after Moses. And that prophet was who they should listen to. And I want to place an emphasis on what Moses said that they should listen to him, meaning there was an endorsement, like I said earlier, there was an endorsement ahead of the manifestation of this prophet. And so let's look at the, let's look at what happened, uh, let's look at when this, when this prophecy was fulfilled. So look at um, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse one to five. This, um, someone should please read for us. That's the experience at the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew chapter 17, Verses one through five. Someone should please read for us. Read. All right. Matthew 17, one to five. I'm reading the Amplified Classic. Okay. And six days after this, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led him up on a high mountain by themselves. And his appearance underwent a change in their presence. And his face shone clear and bright like the sun, and his clothing became as white as light. Mm -hmm. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, who kept talking with him. Then Peter began to speak and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good and delightful that we are here. If you approve, I will put up three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a shining cloud composed of light overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am and have always been delighted. Listen to him. All right. Thank you. So there's um, the last verse where you just read says, in, I mean, in King James Version, it says, this is my beloved son. Um, listen to him. Or this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And that's exactly what Moses said about the prophet, that when he comes, he's the one that you should listen to. So Moses already Again, like I said, Moses already placed an endorsement and um, informed the people that when this prophet comes, you should listen to him. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, God, by his, I mean, this happened a couple of times um, um, in, in scriptures where God spoke and said to Jesus, and um, said concerning Jesus that this is my beloved son. Um, one part says in whom I'm well pleased. And then at this experience, he said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Meaning God was God was um, already pointing to a dispensation that would come that um, that the, the the language of God would now be Christ. Meaning whenever God was going to speak, He was going to speak through Christ, and um, that He was He was already pointing to that dispensation. So I want us to go further, right, and read Hebrews chapter one and see what see what dispensation we now live in, and um, and and see what the Bible says about that. So Hebrews chapter one verse. One and two. If you have the Passion Translation, please read for us. Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two. Passion Translation, please, if you have. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building mm -hmm. one truth upon another. But us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of his son. He appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created panorama of all things and all time. So what? Yeah, no, that just verse one and two is fine. So the Bible explains to us that all through history, right? And when you read the Old Testament, you see this to be consistent, that God spoke to us through prophets and um, in, in various ways and in different manners. So every prophet that rose, every judge that came, everyone that was a leader in Israel um, had a unique dimension of, of God's oppression. However, that unique dimension was not did not capture the entirety of God's message. It came in bits and in fragments. And that's what um, um, verse 1 tells us, that the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, meaning there was no single person there was no single prophet that had the complete scope of God's message all at once. If you go through the book of Isaiah, you see that God spoke through Isaiah in a particular manner. If you go through the book of Jeremiah, you see that it was in a particular manner. Go through um, 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 Malachi, go through any of the prophets. 
you will find out that the the speakings of God came in a particular manner. They came in a, in a form and in a, in a way, but they were never a complete um, expression of God's message to mankind. And that was a problem because, I mean, if you think about it, the Israelites that were alive when Moses was around, for instance, um, they, they heard Moses, they, they listened to Moses, they followed him. But then several years later, when Moses died and the new generation came up, they were not there when Moses was around. So they, they sort of missed that dimension of Moses' uh, ministry. And then um, it happened from generation to generation. And what God had to do was in every generation, he had to raise up a prophet that could speak on his behalf. Now, the problem with that, like I said, is that every prophet has just a unique expression of God's message, but doesn't, have, doesn't capture the fullness of God's message. And God saw that this was going to be, going to be a problem. So what God did was he now sent his son. And verse 2 tells us, um, we're reading Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It says, um, the Passion Translation says, But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of his son, the appointed heir of everything, for through him God created the panorama of all things and all time. Meaning that in this day and age, God doesn't speak again in bits and, and in bits and fragments through um, prophets. I mean, I don't mean prophets don't have a role to play. That's a different conversation. I mean, just the same way God spoke through prophets in the Old, in the Old Testament, God doesn't speak anymore like that through them. He has now communicated his full expression through Jesus Christ. Meaning that if you wanted to ever know, if you want to ever know anything about God, look at Jesus. If you ever have a question, Jesus is the answer. If you ever have a problem, Everything points to Jesus. Anything that God wants to say, he has already said through Jesus Christ. It's important to know this because every, every search in our hearts, every question we ask um, can only be answered in the person of Jesus. All right? So please give me one minute. Just one second. There's a bit of noise. Let me sort that out. One minute. All right, thank you. So everything that God wants to speak, he has already spoken through Jesus. Meaning the more we study Jesus, the more we get an insight into the revelation of what God is speaking to us per time and for all time. So the, the beautiful thing is that Jesus is, the message, the message of Jesus spans all through eternity and at the same time is applicable in every instance and in every aspect of our lives. All right. So that's what this whole series is about. I just read um, all these scriptures to show us that God speaks through Jesus. In fact, I like the way um, this translation puts it. It says that God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. So God's language is Jesus. God's language is his son. Um, just the same way we speak English or we speak French or any other language. God's language is Jesus. So every time God wants to speak, he speaks in the language of Jesus. So the more we 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 understand Jesus. The more we study about Jesus, um, the clearer we get God's message to humanity and God's message to us personally. All right. So this series, let me just let me give a a, a background. Um, in this series, we want to look at the the revelation of Jesus Christ that He Himself gave to us about Himself. All right. Um, and they are popularly known as the I Am statements of Jesus. When Jesus Christ said, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that. Okay, so we're going to look at that. But I want I want us to look at some things about the gospel. When I was um when I was studying for this, I felt it was very necessary for us to understand the scope of the of the gospel and a little bit of background as to you know as to the gospel and why it was written. So I'm gonna ask us now, and I really would like to hear our answers. Who can tell us why you we have the four gospels? Um, why do we have four Gospels? Why don't we just have three? Why don't we just have two? Why don't we just have um, five? I mean, why are there four Gospels? Is there, any, is there a significance to it? What's, what's really the importance of it? So anyone can share with us, just tell us why, have, why we have four Gospels. And I'm going to not allow somebody answer because we've had this conversation. So um, you know yourself, if we have this conversation with you, you are not allowed to answer. 
you know yourself. All right, so please, um, Sanch should tell us why, why do we have four Gospels? And please feel free to share whatever you think it's, is the reason. All right, anyone wants to tell us why do we have four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why don't we have five? Maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Peter, or Paul, or something. Or why don't we just have three? Why, why go through the stress of four? Anyone wants to share? I feel tempted to call someone, but let me leave us to, um, anyone else share? Yeah, just let us know. Why do we have four gospel? Why, what do you think is the reason why we have four gospel? Four gospels. Um, Joy, do you want to help us? Joy, do you want to tell us why do we have four gospels? Any idea? Um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why it's four exactly four but i know that um all four of them kind of come from different perspectives and portray different things but i don't know why it's four or maybe not five or something mm. but i know that four of them come from different perspectives and kind of portray different things not different things but like um maybe throw more light on an area or something but i don't know why it's four the number four i don't know okay okay Thank you. You said something very important, and the, that's the aspect of perspectives, and that's very, 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 very important. Anyone wants to help us again? Um, any idea why do we have focus schools? Hmm. Nobody. Someone should try. Just try. No, I mean, it doesn't matter if the answer is right or wrong. Let's learn together. Anyone wants to give a try? Why do we have focus schools? Hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's let's dive in. I'm going to read, to explain this here. I'm going to read. We're going to read a scripture in the book of Revelations. <clears throat> Revelations chapter four, verse six and seven. Revelations chapter four, verse six and seven. So someone should read for us, please. Revelations chapter four, verse six and seven. Someone there? Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And in front of the throne, there was pavement like crystal sea of glass around the throne, and on each side stood four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature resembled the lion, and the second an ox. The third had an had a human face and thought was like an eagle in flight. Thank you. Thanks so much, um, Faith. So this was an experience that um, Apostle John had in heaven. And um, surrounding, he had an experience at the throne of God, right? And he now saw that surrounding the throne, there were four creatures that had eyes all around them. And he said that the, the first creature had the face, or had the face, sorry, of a lion. The second creature had the face of a of a calf. Then the third creature had the face of a man, and the fourth creature had the face of a flying eagle. So what do these represent? And this is where I want to connect it with the four Gospels, is that these creatures had each represented a dimension of Jesus Christ. Okay, so the faces of these creatures all showed a dimension of, of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what the four Gospels does to us. And just like um, um, Joy mentioned earlier, the four Gospels come from different perspectives, but each Gospel has a central theme, <clears throat> has a central theme about Jesus Christ and reveals Jesus based on that theme. So each Gospel um, has a, a, narrates the experience of Jesus from a certain dimension. And I want to use this, before I go on to explain further, I want to use this example. If, for instance, um, you see a house, right? And the house, how the house has um, four sides. For instance, just a, a typical house has four sides. If you look at the house from one side, you might not get a full picture of the house, right? Because you're just looking at one side. And if somebody was going to explain the house, let's say from the um, from the north direction, the person who might describe the house in a particular manner. If another person comes and describes it from the south, he will describe it in his own manner. If the person from the east and the west come to describe theirs. 
they would explain it in a particular way. Now, if you listen to the individual description of those of the house, you might be a bit confused. You might, I mean, it may look like different stories, but when you combine the whole picture together, then you have a full representation of what the house, of what the house looks like. Okay. Now that's exactly what the gospels have done. The gospels came from four different angles that correspond with the, with the four faces of these creatures, and I'm going to explain each face what they mean. But the gospels come from these four angles to bring a more holistic picture of who Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is. Um, it's also just take, take for instance, if there is a man, for instance, that is, let's say the man's name is Mr. Jack. Let's say Mr. Jack is a is a military um, officer. Mr. Jack is also a father. Mr. Jack also owns a, a poultry as a business owner. And then Mr. Jack is also, um, let's say Mr. Jack is also a technical worker. So he has very good technical skills. Now, the people in his office may know him as a technical worker. The people in the military, if you ask them, who is Mr. Jack? They'll tell you, oh, Mr. Jack is a military officer. The people in his business, um, you ask them who Mr. Jack is, they'll say, oh, Mr. Jack is a, is a poultry farmer. He has a large poultry, he's a businessman. The people in his house, if you ask him, who is Mr. Jack? They'll say, oh, Mr. Jack is, my, is our daddy, he's our father. Now, all of these descriptions are correct, but taking one of them alone is not would not be complete. Okay? So all the descriptions are complete, but individually, sorry, all of them are correct, sorry, but individually they are incomplete. So what the Gospels do is that they bring the four dimensions of Jesus together so that when we go through the Gospels, we understand better who Jesus Christ is, all right? So let's examine the four faces and, and see how they relate <clears throat> they relate to the Gospels. Okay, so again, we read from um, Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. So the first creature, the first creature the Bible says had the face of a lion. Now, the face of the lion here represents um, kingship, represents a king. And the gospel that talks about Jesus Christ as a king is the gospel of Matthew. When you read, when you read the gospel of Matthew, you see Jesus Christ portrayed a lot as a king and also as a king who has a kingdom. So you see that a lot of the parables about, about the kingdom of God, um, you'll find them in the book of Matthew. And um, a lot of the description of Jesus Christ as a king, <coughs> you'll also find them in the gospel, okay? And I want us to, I want us to look at something. Let's, let's turn to the book of Matthew and quickly look at something. We're going to compare it with, um, we're going to compare it with the book of Luke as well. But let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter one. And just to show that, you know, Matthew's goal was to show that Jesus is a king. That's why he wrote his gospel. He wanted to really prove to people that Jesus is a king. Okay. When you go to Matthew chapter one, um, we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And I want you to follow me carefully. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. I'll skip a number of verses, but I just want to point something out to you. So, Revel sorry, Matthew, I beg your pardon, Matthew chapter 1, from verse 1. Now, the very first verse says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Before we even read further, what Matthew did here was, he just went straight and explained that Jesus is the son of David, David being a king in his, in, in his own right, and then also David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham is regarded as the patriarch of, um, of the nation of Israel. And so before there, ever, there was ever any Israel, the closest government that they had was the house of Abraham. And this was what Matthew did. He pointed Jesus as the son of David, as the son of Abraham, because he wanted to show that this Jesus, don't joke with him, he's actually a king. And because look, when you trace his genealogy, you see that he's the son of David, he's the son of, of Abraham, all right? Now, uh, skip the verses and go down to... Skip the verses and go down to verse 17. Verse 17, okay? It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Let me explain what Matthew was trying to do here. So Matthew was trying to give them, Matthew segmented his, history into three three important um, um, eras, right? 
The first one he said was, from Abraham to David. Again, note what Matthew did. Matthew focused on kingdoms or kingdom-like um, expressions. And he said, from Abraham to David, one generation. Because he noted Jesus, he was pointing that Jesus was a, Jesus is a king. And then he showed that from Abraham to David was one generation. Look at the next thing he said, from David unto the carrying away in Babylon, meaning from the, um, from the rule of David up until the point where Babylon came to invade Israel and, you know, capture them and all of that. Um, that's another generation. Why did Matthew use that as a milestone? He used it as a milestone because he was, he, he was focused on kingdom activities. So from David to, to Abraham was, a, was, a, was a, a generation. He focused on the kingdom activities. Then another kingdom activity was when Israel lost its kingdom to the Babylonians. And so Matthew picked that again as another generation. And then the next generation, the next thing he focused on was from the carrying away to Babylon onto the Christ. So what Matthew was inevitably saying was that the coming of Christ represented another rule, another kingdom, right? And Matthew put that in parallel with every other kingdom that um, the history of Israel had ever encountered. So if you look at from David to, sorry, from Abraham to David, Matthew said that is one generation. He was using milestones, kingdom milestones to to demarcate errors. He now said from Abraham to the taking away, um, the capture of, of Israel by the Babylonians, um, that's another generation. So that's another kingdom activity. And then the next kingdom activity that Matthew wanted to, us to, wanted us to be aware of was the coming of the Christ. So he said from, um, from Babylon, from the Babylonian era till when Christ came, that's another generation. So I, I put this out to show that Matthew was, focus on revealing that Jesus Christ is a king and he has a kingdom. He, uh, part of the goal of Matthew was to really reveal to us that, you know, Jesus Christ was a king. And when you read, when you read the parables of, um, when you read the parables in the book of Matthew, you'll find out that most of the parables that talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven are located in the book of Matthew. And that's because Matthew wanted to really show that, that Jesus Christ is a is a king, all right? So don't forget that. That's Matthew, and, and this corresponds with um, Revelations, you know, read Revelations 4, verse 7. The first face of the beast was the face of the lion, okay? So the lion there represents kingship, and Matthew Matthew's book um, was what showed us that Jesus Christ is a king, okay? Now, don't forget this genealogy because we're going to compare it with um, with that of Luke. Okay, so the second, cre the second creature um was the was the ox right the second creature that that john saw had the face of an ox or the face of a calf as your version we put it now the calf here represents no no first of all the calf is predominantly i mean or at least in in their day um the calf had a predominant use for um for for servanthood so either you were riding on it or you're using it um in your farm as an as as a plowing um, creature, but either way, the calf here represents servanthood. And so, what what John saw was that this second creature had the face of a calf, meaning representing, showing rather that Jesus Christ also came as a servant. He did not come to be saved, but he came to save. And the gospel that tells us about this is the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark presents Jesus Christ to us not as a king, but as a servant. And is it, when, let, let, let's turn to the book of Mark chapter 1. I just want to show you something. That in the book of Mark, Mark did not bother, Mark did not bother explaining the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He was not concerned about that. He didn't bother telling us who, who the father of Jesus is, who gave birth to this, who gave birth to who. He didn't bother. Look at the first, um, the, the first, in the first chapter, go to chapter... Um, chapter Mark chapter 1 verse 16. If you are with me, Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. All right, so Mark chapter 1 verse 16. Um, the Bible says that now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers, okay? And Jesus came, Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him, and the story continues. Now, what, what Mark was trying to get to us quickly, and this, this is something you need to um, you need to understand about the Gospels. 
and you know, about the scripture generally, there's a law of priority, meaning the information that comes first usually um, wasn't coincidental, it was intentional. Matthew, the, the author was trying to get a message across to us quick. All right, and so what Mark was trying to get across to us was how, how Jesus called his disciples and what he called them to do. And the first thing he said is that, leave this your fishing of, I'm catching of fish and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Meaning he was introducing them into servanthood. He was introducing them into service of the kingdom. And that's what the book of Mark is all about generally. The book of Mark shows us that Jesus Christ came not to serve, but to be served. So the book of Mark presents Jesus Christ with the face of the ox or with the face of the cow, meaning presenting Jesus Christ as a servant. Okay, so don't forget this. I want to also show you something in the in the book of in the book of Mark. Now we, we may not be able to explore the stories, but I just want to give you a fact. Now, among all the parables, all the parables that are contained in the book of in the gospels, right? There are two parables that are only contained in the book of Mark. So there are two parables that you will not find in any other gospel except in the gospel of Mark. Okay. And those two parables are this number one, the parable of the seed. Um, where Jesus, where Jesus Christ explained the kingdom of God to be like a seed, right? That um, is is cast into the ground, and then a man sleeps and wakes up, and he doesn't know how it grows. You know what? Let's just read it. I just want to show you something quickly. So, Mark chapter, um, give me a minute. Mark chapter, Mark chapter four, verse twenty-six to twenty-nine. I just want to show you something very quickly. Please, if you have questions after this, we would. Discuss them, but I just want to show some things quickly. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. I'll read it, um, read the, the passage quickly. Um, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast the seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts the sequel, because the harvest is come. Now, this is one of the parables that is only found in the book of Mark. And what one of the things this parable, among, among other things, one of the things that this parable shows us is service. Because the Bible says that this guy plants and he doesn't know how it happens, but he sleeps and wakes up and, it's, and it, the seed grows. However, immediately it is right, um, he puts a sequel to it, meaning he goes there as a worker to uh, put the sequel to it, to reap the harvest of it. And if you read another parable, the Bible refers to the harvest um, of as that as the harvest of souls, as the, as the harvest of for the kingdom of God. When Jesus Christ said, "The laborers, sorry, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few." So the laborers in this context was the man. The laborer in this context was the man who put the sickle to the um, to the crop as soon as it is, as it was ripe, and um, that refers to servanthood. Okay. Then one more parable that only the book of Mark has is the. Is in, it's found in the book of Mark chapter 13. It's the parable, Mark chapter 13, verse 33 to 37. It's a parable of the man who went to, um, who went, went on the journey. So I'll read again quickly. Please just stay with me. Matthew chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 13, verse 33 to 37. So it says, take ye heed, Watch and pray, for you will know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is, is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Take note of that. To his servants and to every man his work and commanded the potter to watch. Verse 35 says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Least come suddenly... Least coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So the parable here portrayed Jesus Christ as the son of man who went on a far journey, but then entrusted things to his servants. And that's why I want us to, I want to place my emphasis, that the parable here showed the, the importance of, of being a faithful steward and a faithful servant. And that's pretty much what the book of Mark tried to portray to us about Jesus Christ. Um, showed us that Jesus Christ was a, did not just come as a king, but Jesus Christ came as a servant. So while the book of Matthew tells us that Jesus Christ came as a king and showed us his kingdom and shows us, showed us um, all the things he, you know, he did and the several parables about the kingdom, the book of Mark, on the other hand, 
who came to tell us that Jesus Christ was a servant. Jesus Christ didn't, didn't just come as a king, but he also came as a servant. And that is what the face of the calf or the face of the oxen represents in Revelation, four, Revelation chapter 4, verse uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. All right. Now the next next creature had the face of a man. All right. Again, we're making reference to Revelation chapter 4, verse 7, particularly. The, th the third creature um, that Apostle John saw had the face of a man. Now, this face represented the humanity of Jesus. And the gospel that tells us about the humanity of Jesus is the gospel of Luke. Luke came to John, not just tell us that. So Matthew told us Jesus was the king. That's great. That's fine. Mark came to tell us that Jesus Christ came as a servant, not to be saved only, but to also save. And that's awesome. But Luke was very particular about telling us that Jesus Christ, even though he was God, even though, I'm sorry, even though he's God, and even though he has a kingdom, and even though he came as a servant, but he's also a man. So Jesus Christ came to, uh, sorry, Luke came to tell us the humanity of Jesus Christ. Luke came to reveal to us the humanity of, of Jesus Christ, all right? And, um, and this is very important to, this is very important to note because um, we don't just know Jesus Christ. You know, in fact, when you read the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that one of the reasons why Jesus can be an effective high priest is because he was made as a man, just like, he was made to be a man just like us. He took upon the human nature. He took upon the, um, the nature of flesh, just like us. And because he was tempted in every way, he's able to help us in all our temptations. And this was what... Um, the book of Luke came to tell us that Jesus Christ isn't just a king, he isn't just a servant, but he's also a man just like you and I. And I want us to look at the genealogy that Luke um, wrote about in, um, this should be in Luke chapter chapter 2 or 3 now, just give me a minute. So we're, we're going to compare this genealogy with that of Matthew and see and see the way they, they arrange and they organize things. Okay, so look at look at the book of Luke, chapter chapter three, starting from verse twenty three. Luke chapter three, verse twenty three. Again, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from this. Please, I hope you guys are following me, and I hope I'm not too fast. Um, but I mean, if you have questions, we can discuss this at the end. So, Luke chapter three, verse twenty three. And Jesus, be, um, Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now, first of all, um, when Matthew wrote his genealogy, he started by telling us Jesus was the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew didn't bother telling us Jesus was the son of, of Joseph because Matthew was quick to identify Jesus Christ in the in the lineage of a king because he wanted to show that jesus christ was also is also a king and so matthew just started by saying jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham but here luke went a different route and he said this jesus christ yeah you are we are all happy about and healing he's also the son of joseph now nobody i mean aside the fact that joseph was the biological father of Jesus, I mean, or the wife of, of the husband of Mary, there was nothing really spectacular documented in the scriptures about Joseph, all right? So what Luke was trying to say is that Jesus Christ was the son of a common human being, just like you and I, because he wanted to point out the humanity of Jesus to us. So verse um, 23 says, um, just like just was the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli. And then he be, um, Luke began to explain and explain and explain. And then go to verse 30. He says that, um, verse, sorry, verse 38, I beg your pardon. Verse 38. He says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. What Luke wanted to establish here is that even though Jesus was a king and just came as a servant, but if you trace his genealogy, you see trace him eventually to a human being. And the only, the, you trace him down, down to the first human being who was Adam, who was eventually the son of God, okay? So, and that was Luke's aim here. Now, when you con contrast this with the genealogy of um, 
Matthew, just like I explained earlier, Matthew was quick to show us that Jesus was a king. So the things that Matthew highlighted were the kingly attributes of Jesus, the kingly um, um, nature of Jesus and his lineage. And if you compare the gene genealogy closely, you find out that there, there, there's a certain line of history that Matthew did not take into account and that Luke also did take into account. And on the flip side, there's a line that, um, that Luke did not take into account that Matthew took into account. Now, both of them are correct, of course, but um, they, are, they came from different perspectives because of what they wanted to reveal to us about Jesus Christ. So remember this, Luke wanted to show that Jesus Christ is a human being just like us. And it's important we also have this revelation that Jesus Christ is not just <clears throat> a sovereign God high up there that doesn't relate with our daily um, experiences that can't relate with what we go through. No, Luke wanted to show that Jesus Christ is, um, was a man just like us and he, he felt everything we're going through and he faced every temptation we could go through, yet was without sin, all right? So yeah, Luke shows us that aspect. Now, the fourth creature that um, John saw was the, had the face of, <clears throat> of a flying eagle. And that creature, that, that face or that dimension represents the divinity of Jesus Christ. That means showing Jesus Christ as God. And of course, like you already guessed, the book of the gospel rather that tells us, that shows us that dimension is the gospel of John. And the gospel of John, you know, is a very interesting, interesting gospel. The gospel of John reveals Jesus Christ as the son of God, reveals Jesus Christ not as a king, not as a servant, not as a human being, but reveals Jesus Christ as the son of God. And you can already tell from the way John started his gospel. Again, remember the law of priority. What, what the information they placed uh, um, ahead was what they really wanted, was what part of what they wanted to get across to us quickly. And if you read the beginning of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he now goes on to say, The word became flesh. What John wanted to do was he didn't, he didn't bother telling us. The, the human genealogy of Jesus Christ that, oh, he was the son of Mary or the son of David. John was not concerned about that. He just went straight forth to tell us that this Jesus you are seeing and we're talking about is the son of God. And within the first four, four scriptures, he was four, four verses, he was able to establish that. And um, the, real the purpose of the, the, the book of John was solely this, to show us that Jesus is the son of God. And let us read a passage, a passage in the book of John that, you know, John said it explicitly. Um, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Someone can read this for us, please. John chapter, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Anyone there? John chapter, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Sasha, please read for us. John 20, 30 and 31. Yes, please. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Praise God. Thank you, Dara. So this was exactly what John wanted us to understand. And John says here, yeah, there are so many miracles that Jesus Christ performed that are not written in this book. And it was so, I, I, I mean, when I read the book of John, this is, this is what I have in mind, that John really wanted to write about all the miracles because he wanted to show us that Jesus, this Jesus, is not just a servant, he's actually the son of God. And one of the ways you know he's the son of God is by the miracles he performed. However, in this passage, he said, well, Truthfully, there are so many other miracles that uh, are not recorded in this, in this gospel. And this was especially after Jesus Christ had resurrected. And um, chapter 20 shows us um, where, where we read now was taken out of the story of when Jesus Christ had resurrected and revealed himself to his disciples. And John was quick to let us know that, see, there are so many other miracles that Jesus Christ performed that are not written and not captured in this book. However, we wrote this one so that you would really know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, so that you will not be mistaken and you will not be confused by any story or any theology, but so that you really know that Jesus is the Son of God. 
And that's the purpose of the book of John, to reveal to us Jesus as the Son of God, to reveal the divinity of Jesus, all right? And fun fact here, let me just share with you guys a very, very interesting fact, is that there is no recorded parable in the book of John. There's absolutely no parable. But John did not record any parable. We have parables in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in the book of, in the gospel of John, there is no recorded parable. And um, I mean, I, I can't exactly say why, but permit me, this is just my own mind thinking. That probably John wanted to just let us know that, see, all these stories that we're sh- just as was sharing, don't, let, don't be deceived, though. He's the son of God. So don't think he's sharing stories because he cannot communicate his truth or anything. But I just want to really let you guys know that he's the son of God. And John was quick to do that. In fact, John was the one that, that was, was quick to note that this was the first miracle that Jesus performed. He was diligent to document in the book of John chapter 4 that this was the first miracle that Jesus performed, showing to his disciples that he was the Messiah. And I feel like, let me just read that again to, to, to portray this point. John chapter 4, sorry, John chapter, I beg pardon, John chapter 2, not chapter 4. John chapter 2, <clears throat> verse, verse, um, verse 11. This is the story of when Jesus turned water to wine. And verse 11 says, John chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed him. Meaning John was, again, like I said, John was quick to show us that Jesus Christ um, um, did a miracle to manifest his glory. John was really enthusiastic about showing us that Jesus is the son of God. Okay. So those are the four faces of, um, those are what the four faces represent. And um, that's why we have the, for, I mean, this is the correlation between the four Gospels. I believe there are probably more reasons why we have the four Gospels, but I just want to show that correlation between the experience that um, that Apostle John had within the four Gospels. And one more thing I also wanted to point about the four Gospels is, is the fact that um, the four Gospels were not all written by disciples of Jesus. Only two Gospels were written by um, disciples of Jesus. That's people... Disciples that were among the 12 that walked with Jesus. And that's only the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of John. So Matthew and John were both disciples of Jesus while he was on earth. But the other two um, gospels were written by two different people. And I believe that God did that intentionally. Because think about this. Why didn't Peter, of all people, Peter at least should have written a gospel. Peter that was among the core three. Peter that was among, um, that was walking with Jesus, Jesus. And so passionate about Jesus. Why didn't he write a gospel? Or why, why didn't he you know, write a, a, his own account of, of Jesus? And um, I believe that God did that to show us, you know, the sovereignty of his, of his counsel, number one, and also to show us that God can choose whoever he decides um, to, to, to feature in his, in, in his history. And um, Luke, the, the, the Bible, I mean, historians show us that Luke was a, was a was what we, what we call a Gentile. He wasn't originally a Jew. However, because he had worked closely with with the other disciples, he had a first-hand record of it. And um, theologians suggest that Luke must have worked closely with Peter. And so of the story and of the accounts that Peter shared with him, he was able to write the book of Luke. Uh, and again, Luke was a physician. And, but, but again, just show that he was a Gentile, meaning God had the Gentiles even in mind right from the onset. And also Mark was a, Mark was predominantly a, what we call a helper. And if you read the book of Acts, you will see this account, uh, you see this recorded, that Mark played a, a, a helping role in the spread of the gospel. He was not in the forefront as it were, but he served as a helper. He helped Paul, he helped Barnabas in their, in their journey and their trip as, as apostles. And I believe that that's why Mark could write the gospel about Jesus Christ as a servant, because Mark predominantly played the role of a servant, someone serving the purpose of the kingdom. He was not in the forefront of the gospel. He was not in the forefront of the of the ministry. He served as a helper. All right, and um, yeah, so that's why he did that. All right, so this is my not so brief um, uh, explanation as to the four gospels, and I I, I wanted to lay that ex, um, lay that. Um, explanation to all of us so that when we build on it, we would, we would understand the Gospels and why they were written. 
However, now, so this is the core of our series, which we definitely would not start today. And I'm going to ask us a question, you know, shortly. But I wanted to point out, so I established this fact before we move on to the revelation of Jesus, because the revelation of Jesus I want us to focus on, um, like I said at the beginning, is captured in the statements that Jesus Christ made about himself. What um, theologians have popularly called the I am statements of Jesus, where Jesus Christ said, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that, I am that. All right, so this is my question to us now. There are several statements in the Bible, and all of them can be found in the book of in the book of John. Again, remember, John is our divinity guy. He's the guy that shows us the divinity of Jesus. Okay, so there are seven of these statements in the book of John. Who can tell us um, these statements? You can tell us one or as many as you can remember. Just, just share us, share with us the I am statements of Jesus. Let me start with one um, to set the pace. Jesus Christ said to us in, in the Bible that I am the bread of life. Um, and whoever eats of me will not die, and all of that. He explains that. Okay, so who wants to tell us one of that I am statement of Jesus? Anyone wants to share what is another statement that Jesus Christ made about himself? All right, yes, Toby, please go ahead. Um, before Abraham was, I am. Mm, well, that is, so that is correct, but... That is uh, that is a summary. So because because he left the he left the um, he left the what was it called now he left it blank. So he said I before Jesus before Abraham was I am, and um, he didn't fill it up with anything specific. So mm -hmm. that doesn't count. I mean again, permit my theology, but so some theologians regard this as the eight statements where Jesus Christ summed up everything to say I am. So I would. That, this is correct, but this doesn't fall among the seven statements. Okay. So anyone wants to share another statement? I am. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Yes. Okay. Correct. I am the way that the truth and the way. Um, I said it, then you want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I am the way, truth, and life. That, that is... That's what I said, Victor. That's what he said. Okay, we agree. <laughs> so I am the way, truth, and life. Okay, so any anyone, any other more? Coincidentally, or, um, Faith said the same thing. Okay, there are seven of them. Don't worry. There are, we still have at least four more to go. Okay, good. Faith says, I am the resurrection and the life. Perfect. Good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Okay, that's that's great. Um, Shiba. Yeah, my... Okay, was anyone saying anything again? I am so we have I am the good shepherd, we have I am the vine, I'm the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. That's four. So we should have like. Three. I am the door. I am the door. Thank you, Esther. Um, Lily says, "I am the bread of life." That's correct. So we have six more. We have six rather. So one more. <laughs> um, Faith, that's not captured in the statement that Jesus made. Where Moses says, "I am the God of all flesh." So that's a statement that. God made in the Old Testament, but not Jesus didn't say that about himself. So we have one more statement. I don't know. I'm the light of the world. Correct. That's the last one. I'm the light of the world. So yeah, those are the seven statements. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> let, let me go over them again. There are seven statements. And again, like I said, it's interesting that all these statements are found in the book of John. So the seven statements are, let me just read them out. Number one, I am the bread of life. Number two, I am the light of the world. Number three, I am the door. Number four, I am the good shepherd. Number five, I am the resurrection and the life. Number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Number seven, I am the true vine. Now, all of these statements that Jesus Christ made about himself reveal something about him. And I, the reason why I want us to study this is not so that we, we know you know, we know more scriptures. No, that's not the purpose. The purpose of this study that we went back on is to see how we, we can personalize this truth in our own lives. 
Remember I said to us at the beginning that Jesus Christ is the language of God. So God speaks to us through Jesus. So the more we study Jesus, the more we know how God ministers to us. And God's language is not, the communications of God is deeper than just verbal words. The communications of God is an experience. That's why Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So it is beyond just what you hear. It's an encounter and an experience. So the purpose of this study is for us to encounter and experience these personal revelations of Jesus to us. So when the Bible, when Jesus Christ says he's the, he's the bread of life, what does that mean to me in my personal current experience? When he says I'm the light of the world, what does that mean? And on and on. So that's what I want us to study, um, begin to study in this series. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, praise God. All right, so I'm going to stop here. And we obviously can't start the series fully today. However, next week, we're going to start with the first revelation of Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus Christ being the bread of life. What does that mean? Does it mean a gigi bread? Does it mean shop right bread? What, what kind of bread does it mean? All right, so we're going to start with that, okay? So I'm going to stop at this point and then leave um, room for questions or contributions or, you know, just your own um, sharing. But first of all, questions. Anyone has any question you want to you want to ask um, based of what we talked about today? Any you know any question you want to share? You want to ask or any yeah any contribution you want to make? Questions or contributions? Anyone? Hmm, anyone wants to make a share a question? Sorry, ask a question or make a contribution. Someone is saying something. Okay, so if there I are... have a question. Okay, go ahead, Nelson. Um, hi, good evening. Good so you you mentioned something that Jesus came to to be served and not served, except I missed that. Yes. Um. Yeah. So could you throw more light on that? Perfect. So there's a scripture. That would help us throw more light on that. Um, um, it's the experience of um, when Jesus Christ washed his disciples' feet. Okay, and let's let's just read it quickly. So let's turn to where is this found now? Um, the washing of the feet, John chapter thirteen, verse one to seventeen. Right? Yeah. So John chapter thirteen. Now, there are several, several scriptures, of course, that show this, but I want us to look at this because it's more vivid. John chapter 13, verse 1 to 17. Um, it's a long reading, so I would just quote it. I wouldn't, just for, for reference sake, you can read up. John chapter 13, um, verse 1 to 17. So this is what happened. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, yeah, this was the time of the Passover, that Jesus Christ, having known that God entrusted all things to his hands and that he came from God and was going to God, the next thing he did was that he wrapped his he wrapped his towel around him and began to wash his disciples' feet. And then when he got to the point, when he got to Peter's stone, Peter said, Lord, I can't let you do this. That you are my master. I can't, I can't, um, I can't let you wash my feet. I'm the one that should be washing your feet. And then Jesus Christ went on to say, um, if you if I don't do this, you have no part in me. And I'm also setting this as an example. And the point of that is to show that as leaders and as um as spiritual people. The height of our spirituality is expressed through service. And that's what Jesus Christ, um, part of what Jesus Christ came to reveal to us. And he came to reveal himself as the, as a servant, not just one who came to be saved, but one who came to save. And the ultimate expression of this service was when he died for us. All right. And when he um, died on the cross of Calvary, he showed that he was saving, even though he did not need to die, but because of us and to save to save us, to bring us into the kingdom of God, he laid down his life. All right, so yeah, that showed Jesus Christ as a as a um, as a servant. Does that um, capture your question, Nelson? Nelson, um, does that answer um, you? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah, it does. You don't. You don't sound convinced. Um, maybe it's the statement. So when you say Jesus, um, um. Um, came to be served and not served. Maybe no, no, maybe no, 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 no. Making... Jesus came to serve and not be served. I guess I, guess I flipped it at oh, some point. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, Jesus came to serve and not 
not just to be served. All right, any other question? Okay, so no question. I am assuming we all understood. So if we all understood in, in less than one minute, um, can we share, just randomly share something you learned today that you are going home with? Just one thing you learned from today's um, Bible study. They are going home with. Anybody can, can go. Just share one thing you learned in less than one minute that you're going home with. Hello, good evening. Hi, evening, Tosin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Tosin. Yeah. So, uh, the four gospels, basically. And um, how they show different sides of um, Jesus Christ and, and also um, what the Bible says about them. So, um, to start with, I wouldn't have guessed that, or I wouldn't have known that, okay, um, this is how it is, or this is what the, each, um, each chapter we're talking about. I would just have read the Bible just to try to pick out things from there. But from what you said this evening, I have now been able to pinpoint that Matthew um, is to signify that Jesus Christ is a king. Uh, while Mark is that he's a servant, Luke is that um, he is man, and while um, what's called John John states that he's, um, he has divinity. So basically, from the explanation and the Bible study this evening, I've been able to pick that out. Oh, and I say thank you very much. Ah, uh, thank God. Thanks for sharing. Okay, um, anyone else wants to share? Something they learned today that they're going home with. Anyone? Idara, were you saying something? Were you trying to say something? <laughs> oh my God, I think I mistakenly muted myself, but since I'm. <laughs> That's why. Okay, I think one thing that intrigued me too was also that discovery of the gospel. And I really like how it. <laughs> to revelation sorry my face is very like how we link to revelation as in um i'm just amazed i also knew just like it was mentioned before i also knew that each person said it from their own perspective and how they're not studying but i didn't know um this deep so yeah okay thank you thanks for sharing um all right anyone else wants to go one thing you learned from today's bible study Should I call? Should I call at random? Um, who hasn't spoken today? Um, Tolani, what did you learn today? I mean, I know you've spoken, but yeah, what did you learn today? Oh, Tolani, are you there? Okay, she's in there. Um, who else wants to share? I'm going to call someone at random again. Um, um, who do I even call that? So, Shiba, can you share with us what you learned? If you're there, can you share with us just one thing you learned today? Are you there? Oh, can't hear you. Okay, Joy, do you want to go, for, go next? One thing you learned. I just want to be sure that we um, learned something. Okay, Joy, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um. Um, it's the same thing that um, Idara mentioned. The fact that I knew it was different perspectives, but I didn't know um, this deep, or I didn't read this meaning into it. And I think it's so interesting to know stuff like this and just find out that everything is not, or nothing is a mistake in the yeah. Bible and everything is significant or represents something. So I find it very interesting to know that. So that's what I learned today. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So one interesting thing I forgot to mention, I just remembered as Joy was speaking. It's, so, it's also interesting that the order in which John saw the creatures, right, what is the same exact same order that the Gospels are arranged. So from lion to ox to man to eagle, exact same way the Gospels were arranged. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, it was just interesting. When I discovered that, I was really surprised. 
Okay, so Chris here says in put in the chat that thing. Um, okay, I like that Jesus is the full revelation of God, and the re revelation of Jesus is necessary for a personalized understanding of God in our lives. Absolutely correct. All right, so we're going to close now, but just one more chance. Anybody that wants to say something, that your heart you've been, you want to say something, just quickly before we go. Um, one minute. Anyone? 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 Hi, Victor. So, for me, I think everybody already explained the whole thing about the four Gospels, what you're saying, and then when it took us to Revelation, I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then we linked it, and I was like, Psh. it was mind-blowing, and I'm grateful to God for joining this Bible study. Yeah, praise God. All right, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for sharing, and thanks for joining us today. So just one, um, two, two quick announcements. Um, so good news, I said this at the beginning, but um, let me retreat it again for those that weren't here. So we have a podcast channel, and um, every Bible study is recorded and will be uploaded on, the, on our podcast channel. So I'm going to share the link to us in, the, um, in our WhatsApp group. So again, let me say that, please, if you are not in the WhatsApp group, please um, join. You know what? I'm just going to drop the link right away. And also, if you, uh, what's it called? If you were invited by someone, please, you could ask, ask them for the link just in case you, um, you don't get it here. But give me a minute. Let me drop the link so that we all, we all have access to it. So please join our WhatsApp group. Um, like I always say, there's no spam, there's no unnecessary, you know, message and stuff. Just, just Bible, just Bible um, conversations, okay? So I'm trying to get, hold on, what's this, why is it not? Um, ah, sorry, let me type it right away. So bit.ly forward slash slash what's it called now OPC group okay so please follow the link and join join us right then last thing I want to announce is so I've been having a burden in my heart about us praying um I know that Bible study is important but I also I mean we all also know that prayer is important so um I, I don't have the full details now but I know that at some point we are going to have to begin praying together uh, maybe once in a week or just, just organize something around prayers so that we are not only listening and sharing, discussing the word of God, but also um, um, spending time in prayers together. So I haven't, had, I haven't figured out all the details, but I just wanted to give us a heads up. Once I do, I would let all of us know um, about the details. All right, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for an amazing time in your study. Thank you for strength. Thank you for insights. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for showing us about your word and about yourself. We ask Holy Spirit as we proceed from here, let the spirit of revelation continue to expand these truths in our hearts, that our approach to your word and our approach to spiritual things will, will, um, will change and will be better because of this understanding we have received. Thank you, Lord, because next week Bible study will be um, impactful as well, um, full of grace and full of light and understanding. So you will the glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Have a wonderful um, evening. God bless you. See you next week. Same time, same channel. Sorry, same, same link, same everything. God bless you. Bye. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you, Victor. You're welcome, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.